Welcome to uh, Social Distance Warriors, a podcast where we talk about the pandemic and things related to the pandemic. Uh, it's November 12th, 2020, and my name is Tom, and I am not an expert. Hi, um, it's also November 12th, 2020 for me, I think, and uh, my name is Rachel, and I'm also not an expert. Nice. How you doing, Rachel? I'm doing all right. I, I feel like we are obligated to acknowledge that um, the election happened. Uh, Some say it happened, yeah. <laughs> no, I I would say it happened, and I would even say uh, Biden won the election. No matter what happens next, that that did happen. Do do you have any like fun, interesting? Like, where were you when you heard the call? The election was called because mm. it took a while. Yeah, I'm. I was in the same place I've been <laughs> for the past uh, nine months. Yeah. And and when I say, like, it took a while, it took, like, election was Tuesday, it was called Saturday. So, I mean, in the scheme of things, that was not a bunch of time, but it felt like a while. Um, yeah, no, th- there are United States elections which have taken longer to be called, but not within my lifetime. Yeah. I had, like, a good Saturday, I'll say. <laughs> oh, yeah? There, yeah. There was, you know, that emotion of happiness. I felt that. I really felt that on Saturday. Um, my mom and I were actually doing like a porch visit to see my sister. And we found out because uh, in my sister's neighborhood, there is like a lot of political involvement. And so people just started cheering in their houses. And then people started like coming out of their houses, banging pots and pans and tambourines and cowbells announcing that Biden had won. Hmm. So it was it was a time. Um, the week before, we had also gone to do a porch visit. And on the way back, I got a little lost. But on the way back, we actually got stuck in one of the Trump-like pre-election sort of caravans that had been going around. I don't know what that is. What's a pre-election caravan? Well, <laughs> it was not great. But um, there were sort of like reports right before the election of like these somewhat scheduled, somewhat rally, somewhat, I don't, I don't know, where just like Trump supporters would drive in like their cars or motorcycles and be really obnoxious and like wave flags and signs and in a way it sort of felt like an intimidation Mm. sort of tactic but anyway like um we we got caught in one of those it's just like drive-in a driving rally um but on the saturday after the election we were instead sort of caught in just like every Every couple minutes in, uh, this is right outside of D.C. while we were driving, uh, people would just like spontaneously start like honking their horn because they are happy and announcing (laughs) that uh, Biden won. Uh, So I also (laughs) would honk my horn. Uh, It's sort of like a friendly like, hey, we have emotions. Um, So that that was a nice sort of, it felt like being part of something. Mm. Yeah, I didn't really have any experiences like that. Like there was no audible celebration in my apartment complex or anything like that yeah but it was nevertheless i don't know if i would characterize it as like a happy day but it was definitely like a very emotional day yeah yeah my emotions had a lot less to do with happiness and more to do with like (laughs) oh my god i can't believe what we all just lived through yeah there there's that mix of i guess retroactive anxiety and things that have happened catching up yeah I, i felt i felt that as well um I don't know if you 
listened to then Biden sort of gave a speech after he'd been declared president-elect. Yeah, yeah. That also sort of felt like a real like, hey, <laughs> this is a moment. Yeah, it was it was a very emotional time. It's um, I'm, I'm still feeling a certain amount of anxiety about what is going to come of Trump's apparent refusal to concede. Yeah. And my anxiety isn't necessarily that I believe he is going to successfully hold on to power, which I don't know, maybe he will, but uh, that's that's not the main source of my anxiety. My anxiety is primarily around like what sort of like weird effects is that going to have for the present and the future? Yeah, I I don't see, I guess, how the I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> that, that That's definitely been a concern, like since the moment Trump was first elected, like this is not a person and these are not sort of supporters or people who have aligned themselves with with Trump. This is a situation that I don't know how it ends kind of thing, because Trump is like such a symptom of of larger things. But yeah, the the way that he can inspire um, the like people who align with him, that like, in addition to like, any sort of legal challenges, that potential for like chaos and his kind of rallies and inspiring that kind of like potential for violence. Mm, that, yeah. I mean, you can't you can't predict that, and that's been for like all the time that since he's been elected, and it does escalate more now that it's sort of dwindling to what we want to be the end. Yeah, very much so. How are you feeling in the time between the election and the call? Um, what did I do? I feel like, um, so I did dye my hair as sort of a like. Oh, what color? I was looking. <laughs> I was looking for things to do. Um, my original intention was to dye my hair blue to you know turn the my act could turn the country blue. Um, but I dyed my hair, hair teal. I guess. In homestuck terms, the Terezi <laughs> blood color. Um, this was the first time I dyed my hair, so I took a lot of sort of advice from people in my life who had done it before because I'd never like bleached my hair, and it's it's like a whole thing. Doing it at home took a lot of time and sort of attention, and that time and attention was uh, away from like frantically checking, you know what is being uh, called in the election because it, it was every station or network had a different call for a while like a different Biden and Trump have this many states this many electoral votes and it was interesting to see like who it, again it felt so long like surely they must call it by now why are they not willing to go over 270 for Biden yeah so it was just like <laughs> to stop just watching that for hours on end. Yeah, I was pretty, honestly, I was pretty glued to it and I was pretty wigged out throughout the entire process. Even after, I feel like um, on Tuesday, I had this stream that I did. And as a result of that, I had absolutely no idea what was going on with the election until almost 1 a.m. And at that point, I realized, oh, this is not about, this is clearly not a Biden landslide. I don't know what it is, but it's not a Biden landslide. So I went to bed having stressed myself out with that. 
Uh, and then uh, at some point during the day on Wednesday, it became pretty apparent that it was eventually going to swing for Biden. Like the math started to become pretty clear, but it was like, well, now we have to wait for it just to become official. And it was just like just this long period where I was like, I know they're going to call it for Biden. I just why won't they do it? <laughs> yeah, it, I, I also I feel like election night, very good action plan. And then having no idea when there was an endpoint, it's like hey, I'm doing this already with a pandemic. I don't I don't need this other thing to be waiting for without an endpoint. But at least they did call it relatively shortly. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, so that's that's over. <laughs> I know. <laughs> at least that part of it is over. Uh, yeah, yeah. The other sort of large piece of news more directly related to the pandemic <laughs> is the um, announcement – I guess the press release or whatever it is by Pfizer that the coronavirus vaccine that they're working on in uh, their testing so far appears to have an estimated efficiency of 90% or greater. Yeah. So I guess that's good. <laughs> I think that's good. Yeah, I <laughs> I thought you were going to lead with the like terrifying swell of cases in the United States. Oh, no, we'll do the good uh, news again. before we get to the bad news. <laughs> We'll do that. But but yeah, I for, like I, I totally forget that there is promising research for an act, you know, specific actual vaccine in the works, which, which is a good data point to have to then, you know, if we can project anything projecting, OK, there could be a vaccine and OK, under a Biden presidency that might actually be distributed in a reasonable way ish way then those are those are both good things that um we can project out more immediately yeah the the news is not so hot yeah and you know stressing once again my lack of expertise on this subject what i what i had previously heard was that the cdc was hoping that we could come up with a vaccine that was up to 50 percent efficient and 50 percent was like the threshold where i'd be like okay yeah that's fine let's do that and I keep saying 50% efficient or 90% efficient. It's not efficiency. It's effectiveness. There's a difference between those things, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, if it's if it's truly 90% um, effective, then the benefit of that is that there is a greater degree of tolerance for people refusing to get it. Mm-hmm. It is possible for it to be effective as a public health measure with fewer people getting it if the actual efficacy of the vaccine itself is 90% or more. That's my understanding, which I don't know, that's that's uh, encouraging because I know a lot of people who have said, oh, I'm not, I'm not getting a coronavirus vaccine the second it comes out. I'm going to wait until other people have gotten it. <laughs> yeah. And I, again, don't know how they would even do this, but like my college campus can't give everyone free flu shots. They give you free, if you have insurance, flu shots. Mm. So that that's a whole other thing, I imagine. Like, there's people who are like, eh, I don't know if I want to get it right away. And there's people who I don't know how much this is going to cost and how that distribution will affect things too. So, that I mean, that's good. If, if less people overall need to get uh, this kind of vaccine for everyone to benefit that's that's good <laughs> i'll take it mm, yeah i um i'm gonna say something i don't even know if i actually believe that it's true but <laughs> okay the government should pay people to to get vaccinated yes <laughs> that's my stance that i'm not standing by like instead of having it cost <laughs> money it should pay people that's not fair to people who are um unable to get it for legitimate health reasons but i don't know <laughs> there, there is a there is a need to incentivize people to 
get the vaccine if it truly is safe and effective, then, uh, you know, giving people a financial incentive is one way to do that. Yeah. And I mean, the, the government should be paying people, period. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I tend to agree with that. Um, hopefully that'll happen again <laughs> eventually. Yeah. That would be really helpful. Yeah. Um, but since you brought up the the terrifying upward spike in cases and hospitalizations, yeah, let's talk about that. How are you feeling about that? <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not great. So as as per um, my own action item last time we recorded, um, I was writing a letter to my future self and I was like in my letter, hold on, maybe I should give you some context. So I looked up uh, Virginia's actual like coronavirus case numbers mm. and <laughs> then I had to stop and close my letter to my future self and just sort of take a moment because Virginia, this is not like the highest cases per day we've ever had, but um, it is, they do a like seven day moving average and that average of new cases every day is the highest um, that we've ever had. It's um, Mm -hmm. over 1,500 new cases per day. So, which is to say like, we've had days where there's been like 2,000 new cases per day in in the past, I guess, eight eight months, but this is the highest, like, seven-day moving average they've had. Yeah, yeah. Huh, and, it's, and it's everywhere. It's um, across the country. They're saying, like, more sort of Midwest and rural areas are also sort of being hardest hit, but it's everywhere. Yeah, I saw a map of the United States where all the states that had really bad coronavirus <laughs> outbreaks were in red. Uh, oh, and can you could you just quickly name all those states? Yeah, it was all of them except for Vermont. <laughs> Vermont was merely yellow, so it was merely catastrophic and not apocalyptic. Which I'll say, I have a hard time distinguishing on a map between Vermont and New Hampshire. So this has been <laughs> been a nice little way um, to help me recognize where Vermont is, but not not much else. Well, now I'm second guessing myself. Was it New Hampshire? <laughs> no, it's Vermont. It's Vermont. Oh, okay, okay, good. Yeah, if there's one thing I know. <laughs> yeah, that's. It's not good, and I, it's it's hard to imagine it getting much better anytime in the next month or so. I guess the, the main thing that I have my hopes pinned on is the notion that, oh, well, we might have this vaccine widely available by January if things go as smoothly as they possibly could. But that still kind of puts a damper on Thanksgiving and the, you know, various winter celebrations and holidays. Yeah, bringing us to like at least a year with this. Basically, yeah. I'm in a sort of awkward situation where I am applying still for jobs and the jobs I am hearing back from are in-person jobs. So it's definitely forcing me to be in scenarios where I would not otherwise want to be because like it's really not looking like Virginia unemployment is going to come through for me. So that puts an awkward situation just for, you know, me, my life, my family, and thinking about our Thanksgiving plans, which were already sort of like, let's really play this by ear. Um, Now we're really, really like, yeah, Mm. it's probably not. (laughs) Yeah, my uh, my my mother has been trying to nail down Thanksgiving plans, and I don't know. Right now, I don't think anything can be nailed down. We had conversations about it about a week ago, and what we were talking about at the time was having plans that included my ninety-year-old grandfather, which I was not comfortable with, and am now even less comfortable with. But also, I don't know. There are concerns about 
two of my sisters who also live here in Massachusetts where the cases are pretty bad and their, you know, day-to-day work and life things require them to have a lot more contact with the public than I do. My older sister has been potentially exposed to the virus or she has had to work in relatively close quarters with someone who who had the virus. She has not tested positive for it. But yeah, I'm just concerned. I don't want to... Small family gatherings are one of the major spreading factors for this this virus. So I, I don't know. It's I think it's kind of emotionally difficult for some members of my family to come to terms with the fact that we just can't do the things that we would usually do. Yeah. I sort of want to be, I guess, specific because on like every article I've seen or like serious thing people are really, really discouraging is it's it's on the most risky end of things if it's big family coming together, big family like traveling across state to see each other, if it's inside, if it's like these are on the higher end of things. And again, to to be specific to my family's like scenario, my sister has a new baby. And so my mom is planning again to like go and help out for a week to help with childcare and I am planning also to do that a different week. And so our only Thanksgiving scenario would be maybe before my mom goes to stay for a week, my sister and her household have one meal with me, my mom, and my dad. Mm. And my dad is high risk, so we're saying maybe not. But even even that so specific scenario, it just... There's also an element, I guess, of it feels wrong, I guess, to continue. Like, we desperately want sort of a, like, Thanksgiving meal together, mm. but it also feels like... Okay, I'll, I'll be clear. Like, I, I don't get a lot out of a family Thanksgiving meal, uh, even. <laughs> it's, it's, like, very draining for me. But there, there is still that, like, big desire to have it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at, at this point, I don't want it to happen <laughs> for my family. Yeah. Like, I, I just don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. I may have to compromise to some extent on that, but um, I think the safest way to do it is not to do it. <laughs> yeah. Just for this one year. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's it's not happy. That's a good stance to take and, yeah. The university where I work, they have had in-person classes for this entire semester so far, but they've advised uh, students that, after they go home for Thanksgiving, they should not return to campus. I don't know. That's a good thing. I'm glad. I'm glad that they're <laughs> not doing that. I don't know. I don't, maybe they should be acting sooner than that. But so far, the, there doesn't seem to have been like an outbreak on campus. So they're doing something right, I guess. It is, it is a weird, uh, the college I go to does that too, where it's like, did you bring a lot of kids onto campus? And s- some places increase a like, community outside that campus outbreak and now are you sending people home to also bring home any sort of virus outbreak there like i i know there are some ways of minimizing that and like having people test before they go home but even under the best of circumstances it's like i don't love it yeah so i mean with with sending people home over thanksgiving it's like these people are probably going to go home over thanksgiving and then come back 
So you're actually having them travel less if you tell them, all right, well, just go and then don't come back. True. In that case, you're cutting down on travel. Now, it might be safer to say, you know, shelter in place and don't do anything at all. Don't don't travel. And maybe maybe that's where we'll end up. Who knows? Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, give, given that they're already they've already started, there were students there. You do eventually have to, like, <laughs> release them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is coming through on uh my recording audio, but my my mom is watching a very loud uh, Korean drama oh. outside, and and something important is happening because there's a lot of intense music happening. She's watching. It's called Mr. Sunshine, hmm. and it's pretty intense. I see. Well, neat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's happening, but clearly something is happening. Just uh, yesterday, I purchased myself a large Christmas gift. I bought myself an adjustable sit-stand desk. That's many. That does many things. That's exciting. Yeah, it is an adjustable desk that you can sit at or stand at. And Because I have needed a new desk for some time. I have a rickety table here that, um, you know, it's not, it's not great because especially on, on Zoom meetings, my camera is always shaking because it's on the table. It's on, well, it's on my monitor. Yeah, and so uh, I needed a desk anyway. So I figured, well, as long as I'm buying a desk, maybe I could spring for a an adjustable sit-stand desk, and there was a company that had a pretty good discount for the month of November. So, so yeah, I am. This is part part of my project of like gradually upgrading my home office. Soon, it will reach its final form, or maybe not. Maybe it will continue to intensify and yeah, an upgrade until it becomes the most advanced uh, area of my life. Uh, I I don't know if you're consciously or not uh, saying the name of the company, but I did I did go to their website <laughs> and I <laughs> I. Uh, there's nothing there for me, unfortunately, but um, it made me laugh because right on their front page, they have a picture um, and it says, our company's founder. And right below the picture, they have a chair. <laughs> so it looks like our company's founder is this very well-designed chair. Um, but then you look next to it and it's like this happy jumping uh, person <laughs> who I guess I guess may also be the founder, but... Maybe one day, if you get enough of their <laughs> supplies, you too can become the company founder chair. Yeah, I um, I'll say the I'll say the company. It's called Fully. I already bought their monitor arms that the one I'm currently using at my desk. So I guess I'm already bought into their ecosystem of products. But it would be quite the conspiracy if it turned out that this major standing desk company had been founded by a chair, <laughs> and it, this was all just a conspiracy by chairs to take over to convince people to stop sitting on them. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> so the, but they sell chairs, right? They do also sell chairs, including like chairs for like better ergonomics or like weird halfway chairs. So you can kind of halfway between sit and stand <laughs> like high, high stools. So apparently I don't know that much about the science of sitting and standing while you're at work, but it is often said that just sitting all day is very bad for you. And that just standing all day is also very bad for you. And so what you want to do is some combination of them, perhaps also including other bits of like moving around or I guess leaning on these weird chairs. (laughs) Definitely the best science has shown that leaning on weird balanced chairs, that's that's what's best for humans. Yeah, yeah, that is that's that's what we were designed for. (laughs) Yeah, some of them do look like futuristic sort of like... um, hoverboard sort of like features 
Mm, yeah. And, you know, maybe if I if I find that I am so enamored with my purchase from this company, because it's a fairly large purchase, the desks are r- rather expensive. They're not like the desk that a CEO would have, but they're, you know, they're uh, a few hundred. But yeah, if I become uh, incredibly enamored with this company, maybe I will just for aesthetic purposes, purchase. Ooh, I, I'm on their website now. I see kneeling chairs. <laughs> kneeling chairs are interesting. Uh, that's for the Catholic <laughs> church service yes oh these are <laughs> that part of the service these are very strange <laughs> yeah but mer- just they have a they have a certain aesthetic appeal to them uh so i could just use them as home decor <laughs> anyway yeah that's what i've been up to yeah <laughs> shopping for a standing desk i don't really have much else to say but uh speaking of catholicism when biden gave his speech and i guess he played a prominent like catholic hymn the on eagle's wings well he quoted song. it. <laughs> he quoted it oh I, I i didn't hear him quote it but all i heard was many people who had been raised catholic responding to the song yeah uh <laughs> so i listened to the song so it didn't inspire because i am jewish it didn't inspire any of those feelings in me but what it did inspire is um when i was I guess I was in high school, but I um, took all of my sister's music CDs from when she had been in high school and, like, ripped all the music off of them. Uh, She was very into Josh Groban at the time, and he also (laughs) uh, did a cover of the On Eagle's Wings song. So (laughs) that's what uh, Joe Biden made me reflect on by quoting that in his speech. Mm, Yeah, I don't know if there's anything in the speech that's specifically Catholic. Like, not not the speech, sorry. I don't know if there's (laughs) anything in the lyrics of the song that's like super specific to Catholicism or even Christianity. It's just like general God stuff. I think it comes from like the Psalms or something. Yeah, Biden's like a very like, in the way that many American patriotic things are like vaguely Christian, he he like, he got in there with a like, ending his speech with like, God bless the troops and this and this. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's not very overtly going into religion, but it, it's got that flavor. Oh, yeah. It's religious. It's just not necessarily about like, you know, yeah. Jesus is the God's only begotten son, et cetera. <laughs> not, not a lot of that. No. Um, on Eagle's Wings is about the different eagle god yeah. that will one day come down from the stars and hold us all in its wings yeah. and hands it does have human hands mm, yes. i've learned based on purely the lyrics of this song well, it, at the very least it has some kind of hand with a palm yes Um, if you ask a uh, someone who grew up going to Catholic masses, like, "Oh, what's your favorite hymn?" They'll be like, "Oh man, on Eagle's Wings. That's a that's that's one of the best ones." Yeah, so it's. <laughs> I, I've attended a few Catholic uh, services, and the one hymn that was standout for me. There's a lot of like good bread, like ah uh, yes, based on bread <laughs> hymns. I don't have a specific one, but that's high on the list. Mm, yeah, th- there is some pretty good bread material. It's a major. It's a major part of the um, of the theology. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, I think that's about all I had. Um, I can review last week's action items. Oh, sure. There were two. One was to vote, mm-hmm. and one was to write a letter to your future self, maybe using the futureme.org software. So the presidential election happened, and hopefully people all voted. If they can, there's only like a few. Yeah, if you can. And and even more narrowly, there's like the Georgia Senate 
runoff elections mm-hmm. that will be happening. So even an even more specific population of people in Georgia who are able to vote, who are able to vote in this election. That's only like future voting um, in the immediate future. Yeah. So action item. Everybody move to Georgia. <laughs> Everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't do a future me letter. Sorry. Yeah, I did half of one, oh. so. My, my, I have an action item for this week, and it's make some music. Even if that's just, like, find a musical instrument and, like, find a piano and hit the keys a few times. Just, like, it doesn't have to be good music. Just, like, make a little bit of music. Or, like, sing a, sing a little song. Uh, the reason I'm thinking about that is because I, um, I've been playing with some synthesizers that I have and don't really do much with, and I've just been doing that a bit. That's cool. Synthesizers... Help me understand. Are they they're instruments, but they are made by a computer? Uh, well, I mean, they're they're electronic devices. These specifically are um, synthesizers that are like physical objects that I hold in my hands. In fact, I'm holding them in my hands right now. <laughs> but I have like a little bass synthesizer that lets you uh, kind of do some. Yeah. <laughs> and then I have like a drum synth that has kind of like a. So I've just been doing some of that. I like it. That's a good one. Do you have any musical instruments available to you? Yeah, if you want, I can grab. <laughs> um, we, we have um, an electric guitar for Ooh. children. Um, it's shaped like a dog huh. and it has three settings. One is acoustic, one is electric, and one is uh, like howl. And on the howl setting, it just sounds like you had a dog bark all the notes when you pluck the string. Is it a real? Is it a real guitar? It's for children. Well, that doesn't. Um, but do, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> you could not learn to play guitar on this guitar okay. because it like comes with pre-programmed songs. But you you do kind of can kind of create your own music a little bit. Hmm on it you have some some freedom i also have a violin which uh is a more of an instrument that i would play and practice playing than the dog guitar how often do you play i have not played this violin uh in years um i did i did pull it out also (laughs) in in the week uh while we were waiting for the election to be called i I pulled out my violin (laughs) because it was uh there and i was desperate there must be some like musical impulse in the ether or something (laughs) yeah Yeah, the human the human condition of transforming uh (laughs) tension into musical musical notes yeah. So that's that's the uh that's that's my action item is <laughs> make the music somehow. Yeah. Somehow make, make the, music. the music. Yeah. Um oh I I'm sure we've done this before but um for my action item I'll say go go play a video game and if you're looking for a video game to play um I just got um Celeste. Oh yeah, uh, that's a good the one. platformer game. Yeah, I just got it and I've been spending some good hours you die a lot in that game. You don't have lives. They just <laughs> sort of uh, do keep count of how many times you have died um, mm, but it does, in it some never, of the puzzles. It never punishes you for it. They do not punish you. And in fact, sometimes a little pop-up uh, will come up saying like, ah, this is how you improve by, by dying mm. in the little loading screen. I believe there's also some like accessibility features to make certain aspects of the game work differently, to, which may make it easier for some people. But um, I don't know, personally, like one of the things I love with that game is to just, you know, every time I get to a new little challenge, just fail repeatedly, <laughs> sometimes dozens of times. 
maybe even hundreds of times on some occasions. I don't remember if there were any that bad, bad, but like just failing and failing and failing over and over until I finally get it right. That can be fun. Yeah, I I do think um, it has an appropriate sort of level of challenge for me where there's some, if a person wanted to be very completionist, they could up the difficulty or or do a speed run, they could up the difficulty, but it's a sort of sweet spot for me to just just make it through. Um, That's the right level of challenging for me. And it's got a good soundtrack. That's a great soundtrack, yeah. All right, yeah, so uh, make it a music and <laughs> play some videos of game. That those are, those are good action items. That they are. And now as we end every episode, <laughs> we're going to go ahead and now more than ever, stay distant. And go the distance. 